Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Monday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the kickoff edition of the Eagle Hour for this week. Bob Getty and uh, Luke Johnson from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and Laurel. Kelly Sander with us from his uh, Palladial Palace uh, out there in Cambridge. Glad to have you guys back. Opening segment sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of this show. We encourage you every week. We're going to keep doing it. Do business with your local restaurants. Dickie's is providing delicious food seven days a week. They'll deliver it to your house. You can pick it up through their drive through window. Their full menu is available with the exception of the soft ice cream that Kelly and I yeah. like so much. But uh, you can still enjoy great Dickie's barbecue. And, uh, Kelly, sooner or later, the ice cream machine will be back. Well, you could you could just go like to a regular store for now, and then just set it out on your porch for about ten seconds, and right. it'll you know, and then you'll have soft serve, but nothing quite like that uh, Dicky soft serve for sure. All right, beautiful day here in Hattiesburg. I guess Luke Johnson, it's the same over there in downtown Laurel. Beautiful downtown Laurel. I really was going to get some Dickies today for lunch, but there was like 10, 15 people in the drive-thru. I just couldn't swing it today. But, yeah, it's a great day for barbecue. Beautiful day in South Mississippi. Right. No question about it. Poncho James is a former mascot for the Golden Eagles. He's going to join us uh, later in the show. Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's the he was the Golden Eagle in that infamous picture. Yes. Of the eagle and the bulldog sitting at the end of the football stadium in Jackson with their feet propped up on a beer ice chest watching the ball game. That that is exactly who it was, and and Poncho was the uh, was the mascot that was called into duty at a, at a basketball game after a crawfish boil. You remember he uh, <laughs> he he had a few things to, to to drink, but showed up saying he smelled like crawfish, and I think we know what exactly he smelled like, but. Was uh, uh was he the one that climbed up when when we beat Bear Bryant in Tuscaloosa Bear Bryant's last game? Was he the one that climbed up on the crossbar and pulled the teddy bear out of the sack and started choking it in front of the USM I, section I, it was, and got that kicked was out? Him or, that was either him or Jamie Arrington. I'm not sure one of, you know one of those two, but those two guys were among the you know pioneers of uh, mascots. You know Jamie Arrington, uh, who lives in Hattiesburg, he went on to be a professional mascot for the Bears, with, I think. Yeah, he was he was uh, Staley the Bear for the Chicago Bears. He he worked a stint with the Phoenix Coyotes in the National Hockey League. So I mean, you know, what a, what a good gig, man, to get dressed up in one of those costumes and you know forget the rules, right? I mean, <laughs> right. Have fun with it. Yeah. I have the picture in my office of Poncho with uh, the bulldog mascot, which is a fantastic picture. And I was I was at the Alabama game when the whoever the mascot was whipped out the teddy bear. 
And you know, they didn't really have a great sense of humor about that, as I recall. <laughs> they, they didn't find that too funny. <laughs> they still don't. You still can't make a joke about the late Air Bryant without you know people getting upset. They might not know who Joe Biden is, but they know who Bear Bryant is. Well, you know? yeah, 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 exactly right. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, lots, uh, lots occurred over the weekend, believe it or not. Uh, one thing that I found really interesting, Kelly, and you and I have talked a lot about this, our dislike for these international NFL football games in Mexico City and London and all of those places. We've discussed this. It it takes away a home game for one of the team's fan bases that, you know, pays for those home games. But uh, the NFL, because of COVID-19, decided to cancel all of the international games. wonder what you two guys think about that. I'm all for it. I mean, like I said, I, I think it's it's American football. It should be played in America. I know it's Roger Goodell's dream to make the National Football League international, but it just loses a lot of its flavor, I think. Right. Luke, are you a fan of the uh, out-of-country football games? Well, I, I know the happiest man in the world today is Logan Cook, the punter for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Earlier this year, I texted him and said, hey, dude, y'all got two uh, games in London this year, and he sent me back unhappy emojis. Uh, from a player's perspective, I mean, yeah, it's cool to be out of the country for a week, but it really throws everything out of sync. And I think from a player's side, it's just better to play in your home stadium, stay in your own house during the week. So, yeah, I think football needs to be played in America, even though they, you know, they, they probably make some money off of that and you expand the sport. But if expanding the sport is going to push for a franchise outside the United States, then I'm not for it at all. Right. Other NFL news, Don Shula passed away this weekend at the age of 90, the winningest coach all time in the NFL, won two Super Bowls. But, you know, guys, I, I think when I hear the winningest coach of all time, and, and then I, I, I immediately thought of uh, Emmett Smith with Dallas, who was the leading rusher of all time, but not really considered, I think it's fair to say, to be the greatest running back that ever played in the NFL. Uh, Luke, was Don Shula the greatest coach that ever coached in the NFL? Um, You know, you can make that argument. I think it's safer to say he's top two or top three. And you and he was one of the pioneers. Obviously, he was in the changeover. He was uh, in there when when the Super Bowl phenomenon started. And you look at what he did. I, what, what blew me away was in 33 years – he only had two losing seasons, and both of those were it was like he was like six and ten. So he still won six games. He never won fewer than six games in a season. Won two Super Bowls. You can make the argument because he coached the only undefeated team in NFL mm-hmm. history, several AFC championships. Um, you know, down the stretch, uh, you look at the twelve and four nineteen ninety team, especially with Marino. You thought they'd have made maybe one more run. Uh, but overall, I mean, he is definitely a top two or three coach in NFL history. Kelly Sander, the greatest of all time? I, I don't think so. Um, I certainly, you can't take anything away from him. And believe me, it just pains me to say what I'm about to say. I think the greatest coach to ever coach is still working. Right. Um, Your second favorite team. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> you know. The emperor up there, uh, up in New England, is probably, in my opinion, uh, the best coach to ever coach. And that—that just, I just want all listeners to know that that you see, I'm a fair guy. I don't like the Patriots. I never have, but I'm willing to give them credit. And I think that, think that Belichick. How many? I I can't imagine that Belichick is that far behind Don Shula in the number of wins. But I'll bet I know somebody that can find out pretty quick for us, Kelly. 
Yeah, Luke's, Luke's a stat Ten guy. Seconds. He'll be able to come up with that. But, of course, Shula was at it for 33 years, too, whereas Belichick, you know, is maybe, what, 20? So, mm-hmm. I mean, 13 years goes a long way. Um, but from a winning percentage-wise, I'll bet Belichick is uh, right. I think something that's interesting uh, about the the history of Don Shula, too, is that, you know, he won two Super Bowls, but he never won a Super Bowl with his best quarterback. Dan Marino, clearly the best quarterback that uh, played in Miami. But some ir- irony there, huh, Kelly, that the, you, you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you don't win the Super Bowl, but you win with two that I'll bet you most fans couldn't tell you who was quarterbacking the team. I think I can. Do you know the answer, Bob, off the top of your head? I do not. I think it was probably Bob Greasy and Earl Morrill. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think Morrill came in, Greasy got hurt early in the year, and and Morrill came in, and there was a big surprise when the Super Bowl rolled around. They stuck with the backup. Am I correct? Right. And he had the old flat top haircut, you know, Correct. Earl, Earl Morrill. Right. But yeah, I, I think that's probably, you know, who that who that was. All right, but, Luke, how does Don Shula compare to the Emperor? Uh, well, it's it's about how the Emperor compares to uh, Don Shula. Don Shula with 328 all-time wins, Belichick 55 behind at 273. Shula with a 67.7% winning percentage. The Emperor's got him here, 68.3%. All-time win, Shula number one, George Hallis number two, Belichick number three, Tom Landry number four. Landry's mm. about 23 wins behind Belichick. So Belichick and Andy Reid, the only two active coaches with more than 200 wins. So Belichick, uh, can he coach long enough, Kelly, to break that record? I, I would say yes. He can do whatever he wants to do. You know, <laughs> now, now, I mean, and really, and really, he's earned that, you guys. Right. He's, he's earned to do that. And I think that Belichick is the type of guy, too, where if the game passed, he would never be one of these guys that the fan bases would say, you know, it's time for him to go home. He would he would leave before. He would figure out that the game has passed him by before anybody else, and he would quit. But right. he's still on top of his game. But he's going to have to he's going to have to really work this year because he, he lost his um, Hall of Fame quarterback. So Yeah, it's going to be fascinating here's, to see here's how the, they do this Here's year. the stat with Belichick that is amazing. Belichick has a 72% winning percentage in the playoffs. Hmm. That is amazing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because those are the best teams out there, right? Right. Right. So So uh, he's at his best when they're playing the best. And as much as I hate to say it, like I said, everybody else is around 500. Sheila's 19 and 17. Landry was 20 and 16. Andy Reid, fifteen and fourteen. Belichick, thirty-one and twelve, all time in the playoffs. What about what about Marvin Lewis, Luke? <laughs> um, oh, and I think he I made appendix appendix O in, uh, in in this stat sheet. All right, so we conclude Belichick remains the king, and uh, rest in peace to a uh, coach Shula. How did Conference USA do in the draft? How many kids from the league uh, were drafted in the NFL? We'll talk about that and some other stuff when we come back.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Welcome back, everybody. Glad you could join us on a Monday afternoon. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark and CampusBookmark.net. You can stop by their great location on Hardy Street right across from the Southern Miss campus, or you can go online to CampusBookmark.net, M-A-R-T, .net, order your Southern Miss apparel. They'll have it delivered right to your front door. I know that kind of stuff works because every other day, Kelly, my, there's a package that shows up from Amazon for my wife. So I think that Internet stuff is going to stick. I wonder who's placing those orders because surely, surely Angela wouldn't be. <laughs> no, no you know, certainly. Ordering stuff. All right, Kelly, things, I don't know. I have mixed emotions saying things appear to be getting back to normal. I'm, I'm not sure that they are, but for. But for whatever reason, that'd be a discussion for another time. There, there are a lot of businesses, a lot of people anxious to reopen and get going again, uh, despite the virus, or, or maybe you know with the virus. And uh, you've got some news about a major university that's going to open up a lot quicker, maybe than people thought. Out of the Big Ten Conference, Bob, the University of Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, coached by Kirk Ferentz, they have said uh, they've made a official statement and released it to June 1st. They are going to open the campus. They are going to invite athletes back to campus, and they are going to plan for a football season as if it's going to go off without a hitch. Um, They did not, uh, although they had suggested in the release that it would be smart for people to practice social distancing, etc., they did not make any demands as such. They just have just instructed the athletes to use common sense. and uh, But welcome back June 1st, Iowa, the first one to open its campus to get ready for college football season. And we've talked on this show before how once one school does it, you know, in a spirit of competition, nobody wants, you know, nobody wants to be behind the Joneses. Right. So, trying, so trying to keep up with the Joneses, I would expect a lot of other schools to follow suit, rightly or wrongly, that's not what we're debating here. We're just reporting the news that Iowa, June 1st, is back in business. Well, how, how much pressure do you think colleges will feel to open up so that they can play football? That we just talk, you know, we're just saying that, that that's keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Everybody's afraid to be the first one. You know, but once, but once you're the first, because you're going to take, they're going to take heat for it. You know, but while Iowa might be taking all the heat for it, but then all the other schools will be releasing things saying, yeah, we're going to go too then. If Iowa's going, then we're, and particularly in your own conference, mm-hmm. you know, if, one's, if one school gets out ahead. But see, this is, what, this is what Craig Thompson was talking about last week in, in his address to the Mountain West Conference. The problem is some states are, have had better success as far as being exposed to the virus than others. So if you have one state like Iowa that opens up June 1st, but as an example, the University of Illinois, which Chicago, obviously a lot of people in Chicago, and they've had a bigger problem with the virus. Illinois might not be ready to open up until, you know, I mean, Iowa's going June 1st. Illinois might not be able to go until August 1st. Right. Okay, so then you've got one school way ahead of another one as far as being able to get ready for a football season because it's not going to be you just turn on the light switch, as they've used that analogy before, and that everybody goes at the same time. Getting back to normal, so to speak, is going to have to be layered in over mm-hmm. time, and each state is going to have to make that decision. But it definitely puts the early starters at a huge advantage. So, Luke Johnson, what do conferences do if uh, or schools within the conferences do? Let's say 
75% of the schools within a conference say, we're going to reopen, we're going to play football. 25% say, you know, it's too bad in our area to do that, and we're not going to participate. Do you play the football season without all of your conference members competing? Three aspects of that. Number one, um, if the school is voluntarily choosing to abstain, then that's on them. But if their governor or state government is imposing on them, particularly if they're a public university, that they cannot have that, then you have to work with them around that. But if somebody, if everything's open back up, they're saying, and they're they're looking at everybody and saying, "Deuces, we're not going to be a part of it." Then you know what you do? You don't play them, and you know what happens? Bowl revenue, you don't share it. You know, and and that and that's the the tough part about it. But if they're going to make that decision without being forced to make that decision, then that's on them. The other aspect to it that that comes around is it could actually, if the schools decide to do that, it actually may help the scheduling aspect of it because you wouldn't be mandated to play to fill you know eight to nine weeks of your schedule, and so it uh, it may allow even a shorter college football season to eventually happen. Right, uh, Kelly, what do you say? Do you play part of you play part of your league, or do you just if it's everybody or nobody? Well, to Luke's point, it would also allow you to start later. You know, mm-hmm. you would you would be able to start your schedule later, which would help those uh, states that are a little bit further behind if they're not going to play. Um, because certainly, uh, a late start nobody would really complain about. You know, for for safety reasons. Right. Um, that's man, that's a tough one. See, I'm I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And if we if we can't do it all together, because I think that would build resentment. You know, if some schools. Um, you know, got to do it, and other and other schools didn't. And then you also talk about eligibility, the guys that got to play a college football season, as opposed to those that maybe didn't. You know, are you gonna are you gonna charge them a year of eligibility? So it's right, man. There's a lot yeah, of yeah, but like if if there. Old Dominion looks at Conference USA and they're saying, hey guys, we don't care what you say, you know, our governor's gonna let us play, and but we're not gonna do that. And so if they would, I mean, that's on them. I mean, the rest of the conference shouldn't be hamstrung just because one person is voluntarily holding out of the conversation or the activity. No, it's a, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I'm just saying I, I tend to be an all-or-nothing guy. If we can't all do it together, then um, – but, but, man, it, it's all about money. You know, you guys know that. All right. Um, it's all about money. So what, whatever they choose to do, it's going to be how can they finance and, – and really now – you know, normally we fault companies or organizations for chasing the dollar. But now for some of these schools, and I, and I dare say Southern Miss, our, our Eagles, that it's, it's about survival, financial survival now. So they have got to do what's in the financial best, best interest because there's not a whole lot of money to go around. All right. You All know, right. and if the NCAA doesn't change the rules about sponsoring 16 sports, and averaging X amount per football game to stay Division One. Like I said, there's a lot of unpacking to do here All right. still. All right, let's put our stat man to the test again. Ten kids from Conference USA drafted in the first seven rounds of the National Football League. Earliest draftee was uh, Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. He was drafted in the third round. Last kid drafted was Chris Jackson, a defensive back out of Marshall. He was drafted in the seventh round by the Titans. So CUSA players going to Pittsburgh, Cleveland, the New York Jets, the Browns, again the Browns, Kansas City, the Raiders, the Pats, the Eagles, the Panthers, and the Titans. So 10 kids drafted, 24 
signed to free agent contracts, the most signed to free agent contracts, four from Florida International, three from Florida Atlantic, three from Louisiana Tech, surprisingly three from Rice. So 10 kids, Luke, how did, how did Conference USA stack up against the other conferences in the country? Well, obviously, I mean, a group of five is going to have a, a little less. Um, but Alabama and uh, LSU, I think I had had at least 10 per team. But when you look at the players, Highsmith <laughs> High is a kid uh, who in the third round was Charlotte. He's going to be a monster. And I believe when I was watching the NFL draft, I think he was originally a walk-on. But you look at what he did his junior year is really where he came about. 60 tackles, 18 and a half for loss this last year. 75 tackles, 21 and a half for loss. So the kid had right at 40 tackles for loss in the last uh, two years. He is a Pittsburgh Steeler. He, it, he just fits their mentality. He's a James Harrison type of kid. He's going to have a great career, and that's a that's a big uh, draft in the third round for a Conference USA team. Harrison Bryant gives uh, the Browns another uh, dangerous weapon at the tight end position. I thought the Saints were were actually going to trade up and get him. They got Troutman instead, uh, but but he'll be good. Of course, he uh, he torched uh, the the nasty bunch uh, last year, and uh, he had a thousand yards. Um, and you look at some of these other guys. James Morgan was a guy I thought, you know, we talked about him at the beginning of last year from FIU. He transferred from Bowling Green. Um, threw for right over 2,400 yards last year. Didn't throw that many touchdowns, but didn't throw many picks either. I thought he was an interesting fourth-round pick. I think the steal of the draft, and we're, and we're biased, I know, but I think Quez Watkins going in the sixth round was by far one of the best steals of the draft with 4-3-5 speed going in the sixth round. You like Quez Watkins in the NFL, Kelly? I do. The, the Eagles though took two other receivers there, so there's going to be there's going to be a real battle. I just you know, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I, I wish selfishly, of course, that he would have stayed with the Eagles for his senior year. It was such a deep draft class this year at the wide receiver position, um, and and there's no way of knowing, as Luke mentioned last week, there's no way of knowing exactly who's going to come out to the draft and who's going to who's going to stay playing, but. Um, you know, I think if you know, just on paper, had he stayed to play his senior year with the Eagles, you know, he could have he could have certainly been up there, you know, as a second or third round pick, right. or maybe even maybe even higher, you know, with those, that speed. Right. All right, now that wraps up this segment. We're about to talk to Poncho James, a former uh, Golden Eagle mascot. We're going to bring Kelly back uh, in the final segment. Uh, so, can you hang around the uh, palace there, Kelly? Well, Jeeves will have to reheat my lunch. Bro. Yes. Well, just tell Jeeves to be Jeeves. looking for the phone to ring, and uh, you know you can break away from the grapes and the fans and all of that, and uh, we'll and rejoin you. Yeah, and Kelly's harem. Uh, more from Kelly's harem, uh, but first, Poncho James next on the Eagle Hour. More grapes, please. <laughs> To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on the first day of a brand new week, Eagle Hour continues. Third segment brought to you every day by Fourth Street Bar and Grill, located 
on 4th Street in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, home of the 895 Daily Lunch, now being served curbside for you. Go see our good friend Slade White and his crew over at 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor of the Eagle Hour. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. I couldn't get a hold of uh, Mr. James, so we have brought Kelly John Center back on and. Um, Kelly, uh, lots of stuff going on the Eagle Hour this week, but uh, you know Bob wanted to talk a little about some these, these ticket sales and how how we think you know it'll be impacted um, going forward. Let's talk about that, and then I want to get your thoughts on on a few more things. Well, I think I think for one thing, you're always there's there's always going to be you can you can pretty much cut your fan base up into three segments. Okay, the first segment is going to be your diehard. People that are gonna that are gonna buy season tickets regardless, even if there's not a season, you know they're hardcore fans. They're gonna help. They can help, and they will help. Okay, so you'll get those people that will buy their season tickets. The people who have had them in the family for you know thirty years, etc. All right. The second segment, as I see it, are what you'd call your your fair weather fans. All right, the ones that sometimes will buy a ticket. You know, they'll, they'll be on the phone or on social media trying to get a free ticket or an extra ticket from, you know, one of their buddies that might not be using it. You know, and then the third segment, obviously, then, are people who have no interest in, in going whatsoever, wouldn't watch it if it was on TV. Okay? So I don't think, I don't think ticket sales going into the season, and, and that's for any school. That's not just for, for the Eagles, but it's for, for every school. So I think that... Um, I think that the hardcore fans are going to buy tickets anyway, you know, and we'll go even if it's an abbreviated season, if it starts late or whatever. What's going to be the deal breaker for a lot of these schools is how they attack the fair weather fans. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. And, and this is a statewide show, but the Hattiesburg area, as evidenced by all these restaurants that are still working, you know, with curbside service and, and pop up uh, restaurants in the different neighborhoods. You know, the city of Hattiesburg in particular has been really good about supporting whatever entity uh, when their back is against the wall. You know, so I, I think we yeah, might be a, surprised. That's a great point. You know, I think we might be surprised that ticket sales might not drag as badly as you may think in the future. So, Bob, that, that's what I—that's what my question was going to be uh, to you. The, the point that Kelly brings up, could it be? I mean, we never wanted this to happen, but the silver lining for it all is that Southern Miss may eventually see more support because we may see the community rally to the university. Well, I think that's possible. Uh, certainly, there's a close tie between the school and the uh, and the community. I wonder, guys, if you won't have uh, a number of people that might buy season tickets. Even if they have no intention of going to the games, even if even if they are uncomfortable at the idea of stepping into a football stadium, because it's my understanding that the vast majority of baseball season ticket holders told the school just to keep the money. You know, even though there weren't going to be games, they wanted to support the baseball program, and therefore they didn't want their money back. So, guys, are there enough football supporters in our area? To say the same thing, I may not. I may not come because I'm just not comfortable being around a lot of other people right now. But I do want to. I do want to buy two season tickets because I do want the football program to have the money. And it happens all the time, even even in in good healthy situations. You'll get, uh, you know, CEOs of corporations and you know 
medical facilities and whatever will will get tickets and give them to their top clients. You know, if there's a specific game that maybe a client wants to go see. So there's a lot of that that takes place anyway. But to your point, Rob, I think there might be more of those, you know, this year. Um, and and Luke is right. I, I think there will be a lot of, you know, let's rally around. This is a tough, tough situation. Um, and that there will be people that will rally around the cause. You certainly hope that that's the case. Because you don't have to be living in a cave to know that uh, money's not growing on trees at, at Southern Miss. Kelly, could so, the, could the athletic program survive financially if there were no football season this year? I don't see how. Mm-hmm. But again, it's not. That's not just picking on Southern Miss. No, no. that's all the schools. Football, particularly in the South, is what dr- drives the athletic machine. Yeah, has has been is now, and probably forever will be. Right. Luke Johnson, can you picture fall in the Deep South without college football? I couldn't have pictured spring in the Deep South without baseball. Uh, good yeah, point. I mean, I think football is either – yeah, but that's but, – but at the same time, that is unique for the state of Mississippi. Like, there's not a following in, in Alabama. There is a following because of LSU in Louisiana. But when you look at pr- predominantly the South, Mississippi is an anomaly when it comes to baseball. Football is everywhere. You think about, like, the state of Texas. Could the state of Texas go without football in, in the fall? And I think that's the same way because football affects us on every single way. My dad used to always say on Monday, he would say, well, it was a bad weekend. The West Jones Mustangs lost, Southern Miss lost, and the Saints lost. You know, So his, his weekend was bad. Based off three football games, mm-hmm. because it is, there's no other sport that impacts communities where they are following a game for three days in a row. They're following uh, a, a team on every single level three days in a row. Football is very unique in that atmosphere, and it is just hard to fathom. I think the gut punch that we took from baseball will take two gut punches if football isn't there come August. I and think- if you throw and if you throw the JUCOs in there, you know a lot of people will follow the JUCOs on Thursday. So then you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then a Monday Great night point. game. <laughs> Essentially, five out of the you know right. five out of the, the seven nights. However, however, um, it, it it can be done uh, because the people at Middle Tennessee have been have been going without football for years. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I understand that uh, Texas San Antonio and a few of those conference USA schools actually are still playing baseball, Kelly. And not well, not not uh, you know violating any social distancing uh, rules. Well, yeah, even I mean, because you know the the rule from day one has been no more than fifty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they good. slid right under the radar, didn't they? <laughs> no, there, there's room to spare. Actually, that's what's so sad. And then yeah. there, and then there's the other then there's the other big elephant in the room, guys. And we think that may be more of a possibility than any of the other, either college or professional football. And Luke Johnson, no high school football in Mississippi. Don't speak it yet. It hasn't come to pass. I was uh, I was talking to a kid this weekend. He uh, he helped, was helping me move some furniture and stuff, and he plays high school football. And I kind of asked him that question, and he was like me. He just wanted to avoid it. His dad's a high school football coach, and he just kind of wanted to avoid that. And uh, he was one that took to baseball season, you know, uh, Losing baseball season pretty rough, but I think everybody—it's kind of what Mickey D'Angelo told us last week on the Eagle Hour. You know, they're they're hoping to get their kids back right after uh, the July Fourth weekend, and you know, we got to see what happens in the state of Mississippi. Uh, the governor's supposed to speak again today, and the the big announcement, of course, will be this coming Friday. Looking how we we go forward, 
But you you feel like the momentum before Friday was moving towards you know opening, starting to open everything back up. I tell you what, Sixteenth Avenue is indicative of the attitude of the state of people of, uh, of the people of Mississippi across Mississippi. People are more than ready for everything to go back. Yeah, to there's back. a lot of increased traffic uh, here in Hattiesburg as well. Uh, Kelly Sander, you you've probably more than any of the guys here on the show have felt stronger about your fear of there not being high school football. Has anything changed since the last time we had this conversation with you? No. No. I, I, if, I had to, if I had to bet money today, I'd say we're not going to have a high school football season. They're just, they're just not going to – I just can't see how they would open, open campuses and expose minors in the eyes of the law, kids, to potential harm. Again, colleges are different because students are adults. Those college students are, by and large, adults. They can make their own decisions. But when kids are forced to go to school and they're under the age of 18, I just think too many public school boards would be taking a legal risk and everything else to send the kids back. And, of course, if the campuses aren't open, you know, they can't practice. But along those lines, you guys, NASCAR is going to start racing again on the 17th, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to connect these dots here in a second. All right, they're starting to race on May 17th. There won't be any fans. Okay, but then you've got Iowa opening for business on June 1st, as we mentioned here on the program. There's going to be a lot of eyes, practically all eyes in this country, on those two events. If Major League Baseball starts playing July 4th, you know, and there's relatively, and it's relatively calm. There's not an uptick in the virus. People aren't, you know, people are being smart. I think there's going to be a lot of people watching those sporting events just to see what the fallout is, and if things start to settle down, then I start thinking that people would feel more comfortable, and organizations, you know, pro sports programs, college programs would be more comfortable with, uh, with opening up and getting things going. But I do not see that with the high schools. I, don't, I think there will be school, but I think it will be online. I don't think kids will be in a classroom setting again right. until January 1st, 2021. And are things getting better? It's hard to say. Uh, the, the last report at Mississippi was one of the lowest numbers of new cases in weeks. The day before was the highest number at over 300 since all of this began. So uh, a lot of uncertainty still in the air. Eagle Hour will be right back. To the top. No, Kelly Sander was not talking about the Titanic movie in the uh, commercial break, if you heard that coming on the air. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, or online at toyotahattiesburg.com. Their complete inventory, new pre-owned and certified vehicles, forerunners, Camrys, uh, Tundras, Tacomas. Check it out and uh, check our good friends out at toyotahattiesburg.com. Um, so um, we have, uh, we're going to have Jack on later in uh, the week, and 
Uh, Bob, you know, he told us before we really hadn't pumped them too much, but I took one of these baseball sporacle quizzes the other day. Right. And if you can just go on southernmiss.com, it's the first thing that pops up. It's pretty good. Jack has put together some pretty good Southern Miss trivia. Baseball players drafted in the last 10 years, Conference USA MVPs, tournament MVPs, most games against uh, uh, opponents, Southern Miss uh, first team all-conference USA stuff. Some good work by our, our good friend, uh, the left-hander there, so be sure – um, to to check those out um, right. for sure, Bob. Uh, are you a trivia guy too much? Uh, not a great deal. N- nothing like nothing like our associate, Mister Sander. No, no. But he, he, he has trivia that I I just no human brain should be able to. Kelly, maintain. what's the most odd sports fact that you know other than the mascot of Iuka High School in Mississippi? Here's one. Here's here's one. I think. Do you know that in the 105 years that the Indianapolis 500 mile race has been staged, not one driver with the name of Smith has been in the field. <laughs> you said that it. Is. You're, That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, That's I know. Pretty remarkable. It really is. There's been a number of Joneses, but not one single Smith. In Ever been any Gettys? No. So if, so if that Jones guy were in the lead, it would be a case really of everyone trying to keep up with keep the Joneses. Up. Right. In fact, in fact, right. nineteen sixty one or sixty three, I'm not sure. Parnelli Jones won the race. There we go. There we go. Well, no, I'm not a big trivia guy, but but as you guys probably know, I am a master of of gathering up entertainment. Uh, you know, I'm probably one of the most well-respected B-movie critics in the country, Kelly. Did you know that? I love a B-movie. And you've been you've been watching some here in the uh, pandemic. Well, I've been watching. I've been I've been binge watching during the pandemic, fellas. So I, to try to enhance your you know your social etiquette, so to speak, I'm gonna give you guys three binge watching series you need to watch on Amazon Prime. Let's see if any of you are familiar with this. Let me start out with you, Santer Bosch. I've seen it on. Uh, I, I have. I've seen it advertised, but I have not seen a show. Right. No. Great detective show. I just finished season four. Tells you how much time I have on my hands. If you if you like detective shows, if you like murder mysteries, that sort of thing, Bosch is very edgy and very good. Now here's a new one I found just this past week, and I devoured it in about four or five nights. City on a Hill with Kevin Bacon. Either one of you guys? Not me. No. No. All right. I highly suggest. Is that it. the one that's the musical that you've been watching? It no, was no, like, no, no, no. Uh, I'm, 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 about, to, I'm about to get to that. In fact, I think I'm going to watch it for a second time. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, singing Kelly, dancing, beautiful dresses, all the things that we know privately really entertain you. Well, I told you I've been out of the beautiful dress business for a long time. I don't do drag anymore. No, uh, but. but <laughs> Was that tough to give that up, Kelly? Was that like facing retirement? It was just a hard decision. The heels were rough. The oh, heels were always I rough. I yeah. never could adjust to it very well. Yeah, but, um, yeah. But, if you, but actually, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, besides being a great charade, uh, if you're playing charades, um, it's won all kinds of awards, too. Right, all right. kinds of right. Emmy Awards, yeah. I'm, tr- I'm trying to help you, too. I mean, I, I know. Here's a great one. Are you ready for this? Yeah. The A-Team. The A-Team. Mr. T, George Papard. The TV show? 
Absolutely, man. No, yeah. I, well, I like that. I pity you fools if you don't like the A-team. Right, Kelly? The great That's thing about cool. the A-team was there were explosions and there were gunfire and no one ever died or even had a scratch whatsoever. <laughs> Everyone would just get up rubbing their, their left shoulder and walk it off. You're right. It was the worst shots in the country, wasn't it? <laughs> Kind of, kind of like you know the, the poor coyote chasing the roadrunner. That guy got put through the ringer every week, and right, right, was right back to work the next <laughs> right, week. Right, Luke's right. Full fledged firefights, bombs going off, and not a person on either side was was ever scratched. Where they Luke? <laughs> not a drop. Of Love blood. it when a plan comes together. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. All right, Kelly, who's on the show tomorrow, Mister Santer? Jonathan Bros is scheduled to be on the program. He is a sales executive with. Uh, you know, we talked earlier about ticket sales. Right. Well, of course, along with a uh, fall football season comes, uh, you know, revenue for advertising and programs and the radio shows and IMG College, you know, puts all that together. So right. we'll get we'll get a perspective from the sales side from Jonathan Bros from right. uh, Learfield College tomorrow. Right, good deal. Also, quick programming reminder, if you live in Laurel or Hattiesburg, uh, the Mitchell Williams sports page comes back on tonight for an hour uh, at 7 o'clock. So uh, you can tune in uh, WLAU or WFMM and the three of us. We'll be back for more fun and pertinent information tomorrow. Remember that now, Kelly. Bosch, City on a Hill, and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You got it. Okay, Uh Bob. Thanks for the tip. (laughs) Back tomorrow at 1. Until then, Southern Miss. To to the the top. top. Mississippi Media Production.